0: Teppin' the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is December 29th. It is the last podcast of the year. We are done. We are wrapping it up. And what better way than with a Wisconsin-wrapped, we're gonna talk about all of the big moments from all the teams this year. We're gonna talk about it from the Packers, the Bucks, the Milwaukee Brewers, I was going to get there at the Marquette the Eagles, a lot of M's in there, no Wisconsin Badgers, um, we could maybe talk about it a little bit, uh, but I'm not going to fake it, uh, I, I will tell you I was not that invested in the Wisconsin Badger season, um, I, my Badger fandom is dwindling Uh, from a football perspective. uh, I don't know if it's because of Marquette or because of just I have so much going on Saturdays that it's hard for me to actually watch Badger football. I love college football. I literally am streaming the Alamo Bowl on my phone (laughs) as I'm podcasting. Uh, So like I do not talk about my commitment to college football. I just have not spent enough time with Badgers uh, but maybe we can kind of do a little bit of, you know, its own version, a truncated version, if you will, uh, for the people, because I do love you. That probably also means we won't talk too much about uh, the games this weekend, maybe at the very end if there is time, but I highly doubt it. Um, before I get going, social media, tapping the CAG on Twitter. Uh, if you're joining us from there, welcome in. I uh, had another tweet uh pop off this by uh, double pop off. I did a Jair video that did really well. Um, I also had a guy retweet me uh from my like I re- I just did the uh Aaron Rodgers Ryan Fitzpatrick interaction. Ryan Fitzpatrick was like uh Ryan Fitzpatrick class of 20 2005 uh double vaccinated or something like that. or vaccinated twice, whatever he said. And uh, John Ziegler retweeted it And if you don't know who John Ziegler is uh, John Ziegler uh, was peddling for a while And still peddling That Joe Paterno got framed in the Jerry Sandusky case uh, Was a very big figure years ago Um, And yeah, he retweeted me And he has like 60,000 followers Uh, Very interesting crowd uh, that John Ziegler carries uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a weird night uh, on the former bird. Uh, and then uh, Instagram, TabithaKeg Sports, uh, TikTok as well, uh, at the same handle as well as Facebook. Uh, so make sure you're following along on all of those. Uh, and then if you are already doing the social media thing, we know and you're joining us new. Uh, we do this four times a week, usually. Uh, we'll be back at it. Uh, I don't think on Monday. Uh, I, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it turned up Sunday gets. And we'll see if I can deliver a Monday pod. Maybe I deliver it halfway through the day. Um, It'll be weird because you have the big bucks game at night, but you also want to get to bed early because that's going to be a tough day of work. Everybody's back in the mix. Email is going to be just flooded, whatever, the whole thing. So anyways, we'll see. Uh, But usually four days a week. uh, We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll also, you know, maybe look to expand. We'll see. Um, and to kind of talk through what we have coming up in 2024. Um, always a good year to look forward. And if you have any ideas, um, anything that you might think that we could do differently, better, worse, uh, phone lines are always open, uh, hypothetical phone lines. That is, uh, that, I mean my DMs, uh, Twitter or Instagram, Tabby the Keg, Tammy Keg Sports. You can send a DM, any ideas are welcome. Uh, constructive criticism is welcomed. Uh, I, I will take it all um, and we'll certainly h- listen to it and just have it all for you. So, all right, let's get in to Wisconsin Wrapped. So yes, this is a play on the Spotify Wrapped. I think everybody has done it. Uh, we are just the latest brand to do it. We're probably the last brand to do it. Like uh, Spotify Wrapped came out, what, like the first part of December. I had a really weird uh, five song list. Like my my five song list was an absolute disaster um, because it wasn't necessarily a disaster in terms of the songs that I had, but the way that the songs read were really bad. It was like, I had a song called 17 that's great from MK, but I also had thong song in there. So it, it was just weird. And, and this is the second straight year this happened to me because last year I was the top listener of Kanye West. And it was right pretty much after Kanye had made all those anti-Semitic comments. And I couldn't really talk about like, oh yeah, Kanye West was my top artist. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a pretty, uh, pretty rough stretch there for, for your boy. And so anyways, Uh, This is what I have. I have Wisconsin wrapped. Uh, We're gonna talk about the best part and worst part of 2023 for all the teams that we mentioned a little bit earlier. We're also going to talk about best games and worst games. Uh, We're talking about the 2023 MVP and LVP for all these teams as well. And we're gonna rank, do it Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Marquette. If I had to rank the teams in terms of 2023 Important slash performance, like we took both together, I think I would say Marquette would take the top spot. I know that would probably rub some people the wrong way, but I think Marquette would certainly be number one. I think then I would probably put the Milwaukee Bucks number two only because of the Damian Lillard stuff. You know, obviously the first round collapse was a definite thing that we're certainly gonna talk about here a little bit. But I still think the Damian Lillard thing outweighs, you know, the... Basically the new era of Green Bay Packer football. And then lastly Milwaukee Brewers, but all those teams played a huge part into what uh what happened in terms of the Wisconsin season or the Wisconsin sports season, that is. And it, it all it all matters. It's all very important. So definitely all worth talking about. And we will start with the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers are the most important, shall we say? In the state of Wisconsin, they always will be, and we we certainly have to talk about that. The best part of 2023 is Jordan Love being the guy. I think that was something we had no idea that was going to happen in the year 2023. We thought that there was a chance that Jordan Love would not be this elite NFL player, and now his ceiling is a top five quarterback in the NFL. I think that is not unfair. Heard Murph say it on the podcast yesterday, which if you did not listen to that podcast, it is an absolute fucking banger. I would can't recommend it enough. Uh, Murph and I, I think, almost need to do a podcast like once a month. He's too busy probably to do that, but the way that just him and I go, especially during the Packer season is perfect. Uh, it's, you know, it would be really, really nice for that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's life, it happens. But anyways, uh, yeah, Jordan Love has been awesome. And it's been a joy to kind of be on the roller coaster It was rough at times We, you know, looked inward You know, around that Denver game And that Minnesota game Is Jordan Love the guy And, you know, it, there were some things that were You know, showing signs of weakness Maybe going the Brian Brom route And drafting a guy early I remember having conversations About all the different quarterbacks that are available And that they maybe should draft one In the first 50, 50 picks And Jordan Love kicked down that door that is no longer a thing. Jordan Love is awesome. And he is a great player for the Green Bay Packers. He is the leader of this team. He's gonna get a massive extension and it's easily the best part of this year, no matter really what happens to, to, on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know Jordan Love has certain, certainly got to this point with the Green Bay Packers that I think we all hoped and we all wanted to be. And it's literally the best case scenario and it's the best part of 2023. And now I, I I do think that some of you could say Aaron Rodgers, right? And you could probably put it as the worst part. And but I also think even the like true Rodgers fans, people who really loved Aaron Rodgers, have to kind of relent, have to kind of put their swords down and say this all worked out, right? Like even those who were very much against it uh, can't really say that anymore. And they they either even if they don't like Jordan Love, it's hard not to get on the bandwagon and hard not to be a believer right now. And so I definitely think that is a you know a huge thing. And I don't necessarily consider trading Aaron Rodgers a best part of 2023. I think it was the needed part of 2023. We'll talk about it in our MVP. I'll save that for that. But in terms of the worst part, I think just knowing how close the Packers were to a really special season in a rebuilding year is the one that hurts the most. When you think back to this year, the fact that the Green Bay Packers, if they beat Atlanta, if they beat Vegas, if they beat the New York Giants, if they beat the Denver Broncos, those are all games that were within reach for the Green Bay Packers that they lost. The Pittsburgh Steelers, another one, that they could have won. And had they won even three of those games, right? Uh, they They would be right there, you know, chasing down a potential NFC North title they'd be easily in the playoffs. They'd be jostling for position, maybe with the Dallas Cowboys for that fifth seed in the NFC, uh, you know, playoff chase. Uh, It would be, we'd be on Gravy Street. This would be a house money game for the Packers. Who knows? This might have got flexed even, honestly. And instead, the Packers are fighting for their life for a playoff spot. Now they are a young team and that's, I think, what comes with a young team. And you have to Kind of take to go with the bad that you are going to have a lot of op- missed opportunities because they just don't know better and my biggest fear heading into this season was the packers didn't have enough veteran leadership and that proved to be true with all the shit that's been going on this week and I, I just wish that there was more of it and i i wish that you know the packers would have had just a few more veterans because i don't know if all those games are losses if they had a few more veterans. And that part that part will irk me, especially if they miss the playoffs. I, I think if they miss the playoffs, that'll just be like, yeah, they pissed on a golden opportunity to at least be a maybe potentially divisional you know team this season. But the sky's the limit. And I, I do think, and I, I can't remember if I've talked about this in the podcast. I've certainly talked about it with friends, I talked about it with my dad, even that the Lions winning the division is fascinating for the simple fact that if the Greenwood Packers were to get in the playoffs, there is a off chance they could play the Lions round one. And if they do, oh, I talked about it on yesterday's podcast, I think. But, anyways, if I, you didn't hear that, if that happens, that was the same thing that happened with Brett Favre. Now, granted, it was year two of him being the Packers quarterback. But Favre was a wild card team. The Lions had won the division, and Favre went into the silver dome. And before that was even before we knew Favre struggled in domes, Packers were trailing. Favre rolled to his right. Uh, No, yeah, I think, yeah, it was, oh no, he rolled to his left, pardon me. This is on YouTube too. This is a great way to kill your day if you have to work today. It's a great way to kill some time. Watch that 93 wildcard game. Just a nuts football game. And Favre rolls to his left. He has nothing over there. He throws all the way across his body on a fly route to Sterling Sharp, who is running, streaking down the right side of the field for a touchdown. Packers win that game. Packers then would lose to the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, which was a common theme in the 1990s, uh, in the subsequent game after, but then the Packers had arrived. That was Brett Favre's arrival moment, and you just, I, I can't help but get that out of my head with the fact that the Lions and Packers could meet in the playoffs, so we'll, we'll certainly have to see, but yeah, pissing away that opportunity, man, just irks me to no end. I, honestly, it irks me more than Joe Barry. Joe Barry will be talked about here, but I, it, it pisses me off even more because the door was there. But I, I, if you want to play devil's advocate, you're like, well, there's no way Joe Barry would have got fired if we had have like 10 wins right now. That's probably true. Uh, best game, I have to say the Packers come back against New Orleans. I was there for it. It was one of the best games that I've ever been to. Um, I've been to a lot of Packer games. Uh, but seeing the Packers come back from the dead like that was absolutely incredible. It was a pretty boring game heading into that. And then to see that come back in person live was just a thing of beauty. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I couldn't honestly love it more. Uh, it was just so special to watch all that unfold. Uh, my wife and I going nuts in the stands. She's not even like a massive sports fan, but she was losing her shit as well as I. Um, I could barely talk, my head was just rushed. Uh, it was a moment that I, I hope you all get to experience in some time in terms of your fandom, whether it's a team like Packers or Marquette or the Badgers or you know anyone else. Like it's just an incredible euphoric moment. Also that Chiefs game was incredible. Like that has to be, if that's 1A, that's 1B. You know, everybody was like, well, Packers, you know, they might have a chance. They, you know, they beat the Lions. Can they do it again against Kansas City? At that point, we had a little bit different of a thought about Kansas City. You know, I, I Packers were kind of the first one to kind of, you know, crack the armor a bit. And now I think the secret's out on that Chiefs team. And I, I actually think Cincinnati, you know, Jamar Chase, I think is going to be back for that game. I think the line's a little bit of an overreaction. And yeah, they they kind of knew they kind that was the kind of the start of all the sort of chief stuff, and it, it all kind of went to shit from there. And but the Packers win that game, and Jordan Love was terrific through that entire game, dueling Mahomes, showing that he belonged, and that was I, that was a huge moment in the Green Bay Packers season, and that was really you know at this point where the Packers have peaked. Now, in terms of worst moment the Tommy DeVito game, Tommy DeVito comeback after that Chiefs game is was brutal, especially after what you've seen from the Giants after that football game has made it even worse, um, and that just stinks. It it really fucking burns, and it, it really hurts, and then also the fact that, you know, the the Raiders game, that was more offense than it was defense, or the Broncos game, again, a little more offense than defense, and just Those, all those games are just brutal in retrospect. Now, the Raiders, you'd be like, well, the Raiders are playing better, Charlie. But it's like, no, that was the Josh McDaniels Raiders they lost to. They didn't lose to the Antonio Pierce Raiders. There's a fucking difference, Gus. So yeah, that was, those all sucked. In terms of 2023, 2023 MVP, I have to give it to Brian Gunacoust. Look, Brian Gunacoust pulled the trigger on Aaron Rodgers. He made the move that had to be done. I know Brian Gutekus isn't entirely popular with everybody, but Brian Gutekus put his balls on the table, made a good deal for Aaron Rodgers, did not just give in to Aaron Rodgers. He did trade the Jets, but got what exactly he wanted. I think the 65% would have vested, you know, had not Aaron Rodgers got hurt on the MetLife turf, and the Packers would have probably had maybe a 15th or 16th pick from the New York Jets. I don't think the Jets would have made the playoffs with the team they had. Um and, you know, and, and credit to the Jets for protecting themselves. And it's still going to be a very high pick for the Green Bay Packers. You know, the Jets lose again again against Cleveland tonight. And so you, you just wonder where that pick is going to go and how high can it go uh, with their last game against the Patriots. And the Patriots, even though they're quote-unquote taking, you know Bill Belichick wants to beat the Tennessee, or uh, the, you know Bill Belichick wants to beat the New York Jets. That is that's part of his his DNA, is to beat the Jets' ass. Um. In terms of uh, also MVP, I have to also include Jordan Love. We talked a lot about Jordan Love already, uh, but just, and oh, the other thing about Goot, before I go to just giving Jordan Love another props, he had a great draft. And this has been an excellent draft for him. You know, there's a ton of guys that are contributing year one for Green Bay in their rookie year. And, you know, he had a really good 2022 draft. And I think just keep stacking those good drafts and the Packers are gonna really have something here. LVP, Joe Barry. I mean, Joe Barry, it's been such a clusterfuck. Um, It wasn't necessarily a clusterfuck for a good part of the year. And there were some people saying, hey, this is kind of smoke and mirrors. It's not legit. Like there are some warning signs and sure enough, they were right. And, you know, the Tommy DeVito, Baker Mayfield, Bryce Young disaster class of the last three weeks has been terrible. Um, and no one really wanted Joe Barry back. Um, we were pounding on the table last year, uh, after that Lions loss to get rid of Joe Barry and then Joe Barry keeps his job. Matt LaFleur sticks up for Joe Barry. Um, it it was just absolute, just destructive. Um, and you just wonder if this is a entirely different season, if Jim Schwartz or Brian Flores or Elijah Evro is there, like, uh, I don't know. Um, we, we certainly will never know. And so it's truly disappointing. Uh, Jair Alexander also gets an LVP. Uh, it's just been a terrible year for Jair. Uh, we said a lot about him yesterday, so you're going to listen to that. But Jair deserves that LVP. Um, no one's been worse than Jair this season. Um, and it's just been truly, truly disappointing to watch him. I would give a slight LVP to Josh Nyman just because like you put a second round tender on this guy you'd expect him to kind of be this solid backup for the Packers and he just has not lived up to that but that's it, it hasn't really actually affected the team if you will because Rasheed Walker has been good but that's another one to think about so that is it for the Green Bay Packers for 2023. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks Had a very interesting 2023, right? They lose to the Miami Heat in April. And then it's a weird off season where there's a lot of stuff about Giannis and signing the extension and not. And then he does sign the extension. And then they also trade for Damian Lillard. Uh, It was Damian Lillard trade happened first. And then you had the Giannis extension happen there. Or what was it? I think it was the Giannis extension first. Uh, No, I can't can't remember. (laughs) It's like the chicken and the egg. It was the Dame trade, then the honest extension. But easily those two parts were the best parts of 2023. Um, You know, the Damian Lillard trade came out of absolute nowhere. Um, I remember where I was. Oh yeah, the Lillard trade came first. I'm thinking about where I was. And I was working, I was in a meeting, and all of a sudden I look at my phone and sure enough, the Bucks had traded for Damian Lillard. And it was absolutely incredible that this had happened. No one expected it. Um, Everybody thought that Damian Lillard was going to go to Miami. Um, he didn't go to Miami. He, went, he goes to Milwaukee. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been an interesting experience. Um, and I don't mean that in like, a, you know, interesting can kind of sometimes mean a negative connotation. I don't mean that at all. It's been interesting to just watch this team being more offensive focused than defensive focused. Um, Watching the way that Damian and Giannis have sort of worked their team chemistry together and it's gotten better certainly over time Um, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And then Giannis signing the extension um, after that is as good of a best part of 2023 and that Giannis is really a buck for life and he broke his own story. He didn't let Woj or Shams break it. And he's going to be a buck for a very long time, and just shows you the commitment that Antetokounmpo Kumbo had to the city. I really was never worried that Giannis was going to leave, but to not even have it as a distraction is is an absolutely beautiful thing, and it's very reminiscent to the 2021 season. I'm not saying that that's going to be what's going to happen this year, uh, but it's it's very similar, and it was a just an awesome moment. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks to have and something that will always be a part of that 2023 story. Worst part of 2023 is easy. It's losing the Miami Heat. Um, That was an absolute clusterfuck. It was entirely embarrassing as a one seed to lose in five games. I think it has changed how we feel about the playoffs going forward, right? No, No seed is safe. I think with the way that the regular season has been sort of denigrated, it's now like hockey, like any seed can win. And the Miami Heat kicked the Bucs' ass. Now, I'm not going to play the what-if game. I, I, you, it's so easy. Um, I think with having good teams, you do it. Do it with the Packers, right? What if David Bakhtiari didn't get hurt? What if Aaron Rodgers didn't get tight against San Francisco? What if Matt LaFleur didn't start Billy Turner uh, against San Francisco? What if, like, there are so many different what-ifs throughout the year. What if Brandon Bostic didn't fumble that ball, right? And that just happens with good teams, And you just always have what ifs. But that Miami series is entirely different if Giannis doesn't get bridged by Kevin Love in the first game. And if if he doesn't get bridged by Kevin Love, I I just I think it's an entirely different series. And I I think that, you know, I don't know if the Bucs win it, but I I think that they at least survive it probably. And they win in seven. So I I said, oh, I don't think they win. I I do. I think they do win it if Giannis is healthy. Giannis was not healthy in that series. He was really beat up with the knee and everything else. And I think the Bud-Giannis relationship was a little more terse than I think we wanted to believe at that point, just given that everything that happened after that. And, you know, maybe this team just needed that refresh. And maybe they had just sort of hit their peak. And two years after, it, it was time to change and time to Time to kind of pull the ripcord. And so maybe it was a blessing in disguise. So I do understand that that if the Bucs were to win that series, and then they would have beat the Knicks, because they're great they were a great matchup last year against the Knicks, they're a great match against the Knicks this year, they would have beat the Knicks. They the Celtics, they probably would have lost to. Um if I'm but who knows? The Celtics kind of looked like they had ran out of gas because that Sixer series took a ton out of them. And maybe the Bucks would have won that series. And if if the Bucks would have kept winning, Mike Bunnels would still be here. And I don't know if we're talking about Damian Lillard. Um, and that's it's it's a very big fork in the road of the Bucks story, the Giannis story, everything else. That if if that did not happen, who knows? Maybe maybe we're not talking about all the things we are in the latter part of 2023. In terms of best games uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, I. So I, I split it up into two seasons. I split it up into last year and then this year. Uh, this year in terms of games, in terms of the 2023 season, Giannis having 54 and 19 to single-handedly beat the Clippers. That was an incredible game. It was a 9 p.m. game on TNT. I ended up doing a podcast after that at like 12.30 at night, like a very late podcast. I was, I was boozing a little bit. That was such an awesome game. Like an incredible game from Giannis Antetokounmpo. But to me, like that is an upper echelon best Giannis games of all time sort of performance because you look at that box score and Giannis had 54 and I think the next closest was Grayson Allen with 12th. Uh, that was an incredible game. Uh, Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez taking down the Suns to win without Giannis on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it was a great back and forth game. Bucks kind of had control, but then the Suns, inched their way back. The Bucks do just enough to pull away and win 104-101. Uh, that was a really great win for Milwaukee. You know, they came out kind of firing, you know, and beat the Miami Heat. Remember, at that point, we didn't know what was going on with Giannis's wrist, uh, if he was going to be okay. He had hurt that against the Bulls, ended up being okay. But it goes back to the whole thing about the Heat and all the injuries that had, that had occurred with Antetokounmpo. Giannis scoring 46 against the Kings. And then you had Brooke Lopez defending him over Trey Lyles. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, that game, it, it doesn't show it in the box score because it wasn't close, but that was such a fun fucking night. It was a Monday night. It was late. It was just, it was back and forth the entire game. Uh, both teams were just scoring at will and the Bucs did just enough to beat that team. And there was the issue with Lyles and Gannis. You know, near the end of the game, and that made it a little more fun. You know, obviously we all called out Trey Liles after that. That mat- that fact that mattered, but yeah, f- that was that was one of the better ones in 2020, 2023 season, 2022, 2023 season. In terms of worst games uh for that year, uh game four and game five against the Miami Heat will forever burn in my in my mind. They gave up 41 points in the fourth quarter in game four. And then in game game five, they got outscored 32 to 16 in the fourth, had the overtime, and then subsequently losing overtime. And I, I I just could not fathom that had to happen again because there is a world where if the Bucs just made a couple more shots in game four and game five, the Bucs are up 3-2, even with Giannis's bad back, heading, in, heading back to Miami for game six, which probably would have made it a game seven. But again, it, you, we just never know. Uh, and also the Bucks lost 40 to 9, 140 to 99 to Boston uh, in early April. That game absolutely blew. It was a TNT game. I think it was one of the only games of the night. I remember I had the house to myself. I forget where my wife was. And I would ordered barbecue. I was going to order wings, but I ended up ordering barbecue. And I had to pick it up. And so I'm like, okay, this is great. Like, pick up my barbecue. I'm going to booze. I'm going to have a great time. And the Bucks absolutely fucking suck. And game was pretty much over. I, when I, I got home I got home with the barbecue and the game was over. Shout out Double B's. Great barbecue spot. Uh, 76 in Greenfield. No free shout outs, but, but a shout out. Uh, because it's great stuff. And would recommend it if you need a swap to go this weekend. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was an awful game. Uh, in terms of best games of the current season so far, uh, Yana 64, obviously. Uh, the Game Ball Gate. Uh, but that game was incredible, uh, especially considering the fact that Indiana just beat them a week ago and then the Bucs come in there and absolutely bully them. Uh, one of my favorite you know, bets here, honestly, the Bucs were a six-point favorite. And I was like, the Bucs are gonna smash this team. And they sure enough did. Uh, the three-ball night against the Knicks where they just could not stop hitting threes against the Knicks in the N.C. tournament game. Uh, that was a ton of fun uh, to just see that offense running on full cylinders and then the other one I had or the other two I had were beating the Mavs on that back-to-back on the Saturday where it really looked like the Bucs were kind of fucked. I think they were down 10 at one point in that, that second half and the Bucs could have easily waved the white flag and said, nah, we're, we're, we're good. And they did it and they came all the way back and beat that that Dallas team and a fresh Dallas team at that and I, to me that's the win of the year overall overall. Um, and then, lastly, just opening night because Dean Millard takes over late, and it was kind of like, oh, we would have lost this game last year, and they didn't lose it against Philadelphia. The worst games for this year so far: the Bulls' loss on the road was tough, and then the first <laughs> the game two and three, uh, where it was like, oh my god, this Adrian Griffin defense was absolutely awful, and it was you know the drop that was instituted after that and there you have it and really since then it's been pretty smooth sailing bucks since they since the bucks were five and four and i quoted this i think last week too but since the bucks were five and four and they were you know it was there was a ton of turmoil and everything else the bucks have now since that game the bucks have won eight they're 18 and three They're 18-3 with 23 wins on the season. Uh, The only team that has more wins than the Milwaukee Bucks are the Boston Celtics. With 24, we had to survive the Detroit Pistons who have lost 28 straight games. Uh, It was an incredible, incredible uh, game tonight if you missed that. But yeah, uh, it's definitely uh, definitely something uh, for the Bucks. In terms of best and worst moments uh, for the Bucks, all right, I'm sorry. MVP and LVP for the Bucks. MVP, hate to give it to another executive, but John Horst, man, like he moved in complete silence to get Damian Lillard. No one knew the Bucks were even interested in Damian Lillard. Uh, there, there was a slight rumble, but nothing really concrete. And then the Bucks get Damian Lillard, uh, and then also Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, it's been an incredible year for Giannis. He really that last year. And then this year, he's getting no MVP buzz, which is absurd uh, just for what he's been doing. No one seems to care. Uh, that's okay. Um, he will just keep being honest. And then LVP, uh, Mike Boonholzer, uh you know, I wasn't the biggest like firebud guy until that heat series. And really that heat series was just a bridge too far with just the consistent reliance on Drew Holiday, not letting Giannis guard, guard Jimmy Butler, even with a bad back and just sticking in his ways and not changing anything was just absolutely ridiculous uh, from Budenholzer. And then the other LVP is a section of Buck's Twitter. I mean, they just showed their ass. You know, Archon14 who writes for Brew Hoop or he wrote, writes for whatever, the Packer SBN. It doesn't fucking matter. But the Adrian Griffin should be fired. Uh, think pieces, you know, Paul Hennings of the world. A lot of those people should be fucking embarrassed. And I hope they are. I, I really think it was just so bad. I, I don't really still understand it. Now it's fine. Uh, since the Bucks have sort of, you know, righted the ship, if you will they they have sort of settled the fuck down but it was in a complete joke and i hope they all kind of look inward and touch a little grass and be like all right yeah this was a little bit too much and maybe we just need to kind of calm down with this type of thing so yeah they they definitely get an lvp all right let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers as for the Milwaukee Brewers and their season uh you know it was a it was a solid one it was definitely one to remember in its own right um, and the best part of 2023 was just the youthful energy that sparked the Brewers through the entire season. It was definitely what the Brewers needed last year. I talked about that on this podcast where I was like the Brewers need to sort of find this youthful exuberance and they are lacking it. You'd heard Philadelphia talk about it in their World Series run last season about how really important it was to have the young guys there and the Brewers just refused to do it. But Garrett Mitchell, uh, Sal Freelich, William Contreras, uh, Abner Uribe, Bryce Terang, like all of those guys like played a huge role in bringing this new energy to the Milwaukee Brewers that really had not necessarily been seen before and I loved it and I, I, I'm so excited to watch all those guys next season on top of others whether it's Jackson Trio whether it's Tyler Black um, it's it's going to be an awesome year for for everybody um, in terms of that youthful energy and that will continue to roll in terms of the worst parts of 2023 I, it's great council leaving it has to be and It's not that it's Craig Craig Council leaving for the New York Mets. It's not Craig Council leaving for the San Diego Padres. It's Craig Council leaving for the fucking Chicago Cubs and the biggest backstabbing move of Wisconsin sports history to date. Like I said it, uh, you know, when it happened, you can find it on TikTok and Instagram and a few other places that it was worse than Brett Favre. And I I stand by that. I, I still believe that. I think it it was just a treacherous move. No one saw it coming. He did not make any sort of overtures about the Cubs and about Chicago. And he goes there without really any care in the world about fans here in Milwaukee and just how he will be viewed as a brewer. Um, I hope no one cheers for him when he's back in town on Memorial Day Monday. I do worry that's kind of a pink cat crowd that there will be cheers. But he deserves absolutely none of them, and it was such a heartbreak, and it was such a devastating thing that happened. I, I so if you're talking about worst things in 2023 in general, like if you just sum it up for us, the state of Wisconsin, the worst things that happened to Wisconsin, I think it's worse than Joe Barry, and I think it's worse than Mike, and worse than losing in round one to the Miami Heat. I I think because. It, Round one, first of all, here's why. Number one, it's a rival, right? This would be like Aaron Rodgers going to the Bears. This would be like Aaron Rodgers going to the Vikings. Number two, it came out of absolute nowhere. No one saw it coming. You got completely blindsided. And in the world of social media, in the world of all the newsbreakers, and baseball has a lot of them, with the Jeff Passans, the Rob Murrays, the uh, Heymans, the, you know, all these cocksuckers. You'd think that somebody would have picked up on the scent. None of them did. Absolutely none of them. And so that made it even worse. And so then you put it up with counsel and you have that. And then you have Joe Barry. Well, Packers could still make the playoffs, so who knows? And then with are while bad, it it wasn't as bad because it led to Damian Lillard. It led to it led to, you know, where the Bucks are now. It led to the honest extension. Like, I don't know. Again, does that happen if the Bucs, you know, got to the conference finals? I'm not sure, we just, I know we just talked about it, but I just think the council thing was such a a bridge too far. And it, you know, he has every right to do it, but again, I do not think that man deserves a statue. I don't think that man deserves any sort of retirement, you know, jersey or anything like that. It's gonna take a really long time for the cooling period for Craig Council. And I think he underestimated that from what I know. It, it, he just it seems like they're just a family with their head buried in the sand. And it, it, they just do not necessarily understand outside their bubble. And you know, that I'm not, not one to talk about like privilege, right? Like I, I think, you know, denouncing your privilege or any of that bullshit is fucking weird. But I will say that Craig Council and his family have lived a very privileged life. Craig Council grew up as a you know, a son of a baseball guy who made probably decent money. And then he went to Notre Dame and he was an MLB player. And then after that he was MLB front office and then a manager. Craig Council has been in a bubble where he probably has a lot of yes men, So Craig Council being surprised that everyone fucking hates him now, is you know not surprising that's what you know people do when they don't necessarily talk to the common man and i think craig felt like the common man but really he was just a rich asshole so you know i I went a little longer on craig but it's hard not to it's hard not to write on craig council it really isn't like it's just something that still irks me it's been like two two months and it still pisses me off all right, moving on to best and worst games. Uh, I have a lot of them. So obviously because it's such a long season, uh, I broke it up by April and about by months. And I won't try to talk about all of them too much because uh, obviously it's a long podcast as is, but yeah, there are just so many. Like you can't just pick one or two. Uh, for April, for best, uh, I had Garrett Mitchell's walk-off uh, against the New York Mets. That was incredible. Uh, was it just sort of set the tone really for the season about this young team? And the Brewers had started off quick. I think they had one, they were five and one to start the season. Uh, the th- the seven and three West Coast road trip was a ton of fun uh, right out the gates. Uh, Corbin Burns dominated in Arizona, uh, where he had eight strikeouts and eight innings after he had had a rough opening day. Uh, the back to back, or I'm sorry, those and those were really the best parts of April. And then the worst parts of April were following that West Coast swing, they would lose a homestand to Boston, Detroit, and the Los Angeles Angels. April, Garrett Mitchell also getting hurt is not necessarily a worst game, but that was that was a win against the Mariners. But Garrett Mitchell, you know, being basically gone for the season was brutal. And that that's a great in terms of what ifs of the Brewers for this season, if Garrett Mitchell's healthy. Like is that worth three wins, four wins? I don't know. Um, but that was brutal, man. And not having him was was tough. But April I, was fun for the most part because it just it was it felt like a little bit of a different team than what we had seen in the last couple of years. Then May happened, and really the only good thing about May was the back-to-back shutouts against the Astros. And it was with Colin Ray and fucking Adrian Hauser, which is wild. Uh, but that was the best part. And that was the only good part of May. May was easily the roughest month to be a Brewer fan. There was so much that happened in terms of the negative. Uh, the sweep against the Rockies sweeping the Brewers was pathetic uh, at the start of the month. Uh, they, I mean, that was just so bad at Coors Field. They were bare, barely in any of those games. Then they lose in a walk off fashion. Uh, the final game of this, I think they lost on walk on fashion Final game of the season, or final game of that series uh, Losing 18-1 to to the Cardinals And the Cardinals were terrible That was really one of the only things The Cardinals could hang their hats on all season Losing 12-2 to to the Astros Losing 15-1 to to the Giants There were so many ugly games in that stretch and, and when people were like, oh, the Brewers And the run differential And that was a big deal all summer And it was like, do you see what happened in May? May was a clusterfuck. Uh, and yeah, I, I, it was it was a rough, rough month. And that was where you were kind of like, all right, am I in or I'm out on this team? And then June happened. And June really didn't get going until kind of middle of the of the month because you had the four-run comeback against Arizona. That was a ton of fun. Uh, the walk-off against Baltimore, uh, that was also great. And then we had that slugfest in Cincinnati. That was earlier in the month. Uh, it, I was at that one, so selfishly, I, I put it in there. Uh, that was one of the more fun Brewer games I'd been to. Uh, I saw a lot of offense from the Brewers this year, weirdly. If the Brewers want to hire me to get the bats going, they certainly can. Uh, I was at that one. I was at the one where they scored 12 against the Pirates. I swore, I was there where they scored 14 against the Rockies. So, again, yeah, but then also I was at both the wildcard games that we fucking lost. So, who knows? Uh, but <laughs> anyways. Uh, and then in terms of worse for Jude uh, just really two things that stand out uh, getting swept by Oakland was so fucking bad uh, that uh, that might be the worst part of the year for sure I mean then they end up losing a couple more to, they get swept by the Twins and they lose five I think they lost five or six straight at that point point. and that was after beating the Orioles on that walk off and then it, it kind of tailed off from there it was like no nah, actually we kind of suck because that, that was right. They beat the Orioles, I think, back-to-back games. They had a chance to sweep this young Orioles team would playing really well. And they lose on Thursday. I was like, oh, okay, two out of three against the Orioles, that's fine. Got Oakland this weekend. Like, just take care of business. And then they did nothing of the sort to take care of business. And they get swept by the A's. They then get swept by the Minnesota Twins the following two games, including a Devin Williams walk-off homer that he gave up and it went sideways there for a second, and yeah, June was a mess in in that part of the June day, and then Matt Bush's last game, another game where the Brewers should have certainly won that, Matt Bush went out there in the ninth and gave up an absolute piss missile, so now Brewer, or former, well, he, he would soon be a Brewer, Carlos Santana, who absolutely just destroyed a baseball and that was like Matt Bush's last game for the Milwaukee Brewers. But Matt Bush has a ring because he was on the Texas Rangers uh, for the postseason. So, uh, you know, maybe it ended up working out for Matt Bush. Maybe Matt Bush ended up, this was all part of the fucking master plan for Matt Bush. But yeah, that was awful. Um, and that was the last straw uh, for the Matt Bush. Uh, you, you tried the David Stearns, Matt Bush uh experiment that went awry last last season where i was like oh we'll we'll basically replace josh Ader with matt bush and taylor rogers it'll be fine we'll we'll figure it out don't you worry at what a, what a fucking loser. Uh, and then in terms of July, uh, best games. So the, the Brewers were 2-2 two two in this, but like the, the series against the Cubs on the 4th of July was one of the best baseball series that I can remember. All the games were close. They were super exciting. They all went down to the wire. It was like, it was like a playoff series between those two teams. And again, like not to hark back on the council shit, But part of the reason I think why the council stuff hurts so much is because the Brewers and Cubs series for the entire year were bangers and they were close every fucking game. It was not like these two teams were like worlds apart, right? Where like the Cubs were here and the Brewers were there or vice versa. like. It was, those were games were so good. And that 4th of July series was awesome. The back-to-back shutouts against Cincinnati to start the second half with Cincinnati nipping on your heels. Cincinnati being one of the great stories in baseball. And then Corbin Barnes and Freddie Peralta shut them down in back-to-back games. Uh, the 100 degree, or no, that's that's in August, sorry. South The South Raleigh game, uh, incredible. Probably the one I regret that I missed the most. I watched the very end of it, but... Granted, I was it was for a good reason. I was uh at, at a friend of the show, uh, well not even friend of the show, but Tabby the Keg co-host Mitch Ross's uh band Garden Home at a skate park, one of my favorite 2023 moments of the year, uh sports or non-sports. And so that 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 was worth it. Uh Yelich's walk-off against the Reds, just the overall Reds domination. Uh that was it was a July was a really fun month. Brewers Brewers got fun really in like July and August and September for that matter. The last three months of the Brewers in April were good. Like if you had to kind of power rank, it was like August, September, uh, maybe I might say August, July, September, April, June, May. That would probably how it'd go in terms of the year. Uh, in terms of bad stuff in July, Ellie Dela Cruz stealing home. That was brutal. I was there. Um, It was still kind of cool to see a guy steal home, but that was such a bad loss for the Brewers. Um, And then getting swept by Atlanta, kind of being like, oh, well, we're not really on their level. Well, actually, to kind of take that a step further, they were 1-5 against the the Braves in the month of July, uh, then losing two out of three to Washington, uh, which the Brewers – just were really bad against some of the bad, the worst teams in, in baseball. Maybe, again, that's a young team thing, right? You saw we talked about the Packers. Maybe it's something we just have to learn when you have young teams. They're going to do dumb shit like that. Uh, in terms of August, the winning streak started in Texas. You know, Packers, the uh, Brewers, excuse me, had come back from playing in, against the Dodgers at that night. They were coming in just with absolutely no rest. They were down to the Rangers, you know, early on in that game on Friday, they come all the way back to win and that sparks a winning streak and kind of change the momentum of the Milwaukee Brewers and kind of establish them as the stalwarts in the NL Central. Um, Also the hundred degree walk-off was incredible. That game just in general was so fucking piled. It was so goddamn hot here in Wisconsin. And the Brewers of course go to extras against the Twins but they find a way to win it and they win it. And that was, that was a great win for the crew in August. In terms of worse, I think just getting swept by the Dodgers was brutal again, sort of in that same vein of, okay, you're really not that good. And then they end up winning all these games right after it. And it, it, they just, it felt very 2022 with the way it was trending. And then they kind of unearthed that from there. They also went four and three against Pittsburgh and Colorado in some really dumb games they also lost one nothing because of the wind. Um, that was so frustrating <laughs> against Justin Steele. They put so many balls that would have been out, and I, I swear to you, Justin Steele at that point was on like the verge of being washed. He really had a bad September, and it would have that would have happened. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was definitely one of the worst parts. In September, in terms of best, I think just winning the division was awesome. They didn't have to sweat that at all. They pulled away, and that was great. Uh, the Woodruff gem against Miami was really special. The Mark Hanna walk-off against Washington was amazing. I was at that one. Doubt against stings because I was at X Golf. I should have been out, you know, in this in the concourse. I wasn't. Um, and then clinching the division because the club the Cubs had fucked up. The Caleb Bushley moment, keeping the Cubs out of the playoffs. Like, all that part of September was great. And then in terms of the bad, the Adam Wainwright game, I still think the Brewers might have thrown that one. The dumb walk-off in New York after Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole had dueled. They had a bad loss against Miami after having this awesome, you know, division. I did think, did they consider division on that one where I, to pitched? Uh, that was another great part of, of September, but, and then October was just getting swept by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, there's not, there's really not much you can say about that. Uh, Burns puking on his shoes and them losing those two games and being out of the playoffs like that was, it, it was, for as much fun as we had this season, like that was also part of the worst part of 2023, to just get the season kind of ripped from you. Uh, it was really unfortunate, but that's kind of how baseball does it, and I think they're going to keep doing it that way. I don't know if there's a way they can they can avoid that just with their schedule. If they were going to do seven-game series for everything, they would have to extremely scale back the regular season, which the owners will not go for. In terms of MVP, uh, William Contreras for sure. I mean, guy's a lightning rod. He's a face-the-franchise type player. Uh, he had an incredible year for the Brewers and I think the sky's the limit. I would love to see a contract get done for him. Uh, he's part of that core, even without a contract, because he's tied up. I think for another three or four years. Just an incredible deal by Matt Matt Arnold. How many times can I gonna say incredible here about William Contreras? But yeah, it, it was he was fantastic, and he really played well this season. And look forward to you know seeing what's what's next uh, for William Contreras and Wild Bill. Uh, but yeah, definitely my MVP for the year and an MVP. Uh, Craig Council, we already talked about it. Then Jesse Winker. What a special piece of shit Jesse Winker was. And then Craig Council went back to Jesse Winker well in the playoffs is truly unforgivable. And it almost makes you think Craig Council was throwing the playoffs. But I won't go there. I will, I, I'm i more a man enough to not go there uh, with Craig Council. All right, let's wrap it up with the Marquette Golden Eagles. Saving maybe the best for last. It was an impressive year uh, for the Golden Eagles, uh, the best part of 2023 was sort of reclaiming their spot as a top team in the Big East. I think, you know, Marquette had had so many down years with Steve Wojciechowski, and they had a decent year in year one with Shaka Smart, and then they'd go off like a rocket ship. You know, the infamous Tyler Kulak-Fuckham predicted ninth, Marquette not only wins the Big East regular season, they win the conference tournament. Uh, they get a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. It was a incredible year for the Golden Eagles. The fact that they only lost twice in the year 2023. Do you realize that? That Mark or, tw- or three times, sorry. They lost three times in 2023 alone. That's so wild to think about in that last year. They lost to Xavier, they had lost to uh, UConn, and they had lost to Michigan State, and that was it. Um, so I mean, it's just, it's really, it was really something, honestly. And just and then this year has been fun uh, bringing everybody back. I think that there's been a couple of question marks here and there, but I, I still think ultimately it's been a solid start to the season. They're number 10 in the country. I, they're not necessarily at maybe where a Purdue is, if you will, but I think everybody really in that top 10 has played tough schedules and they've had their ups and downs. So I, you know, I, I don't really think it's been bad so far. Um, in terms of the worst part of 2023, I, losing to Wisconsin again, you know, in December was terrible. Uh, they've lost four straight to the Badgers, uh, or three, three straight, excuse me. And that has not happened in a very long time. And it, it has to be a top priority to beat Wisconsin next year. Um, and I know, you know, it'll it'll be at home, so you'll at least have that. But it needs to be drilled into everybody that you can't lose Wisconsin four straight times. Um and then just, you know, falling apart in March was tough. Uh, not necessarily being able to make it to the round of 16. I do think had they made it, they would have a really good chance against Kansas State. They would have a really good chance against Florida Atlantic. And that's, again, we talked about the what-ifs with the Bucs. Like, that's a what-if for Marquette. And we'll see, you know, how this next year transpires and what comes in that tournament. But, like, man, that door was open for the Golden Eagles to face UConn in the final. Like that really could have happened. And it, it it didn't because Marquette, you know, had a banged up Tyler Kolek and they likely felt faced one of the worst seven seeds. But we'll get to that in a second here. Uh, in terms of best games, uh, the UConn win in New York is, I'd have to really think about it. And so I don't want to use hyperbole, but that might be my favorite Marquette win of all time. Because it was Friday night, it was, you know, Big East. You know, we, my wife and I, were sitting on our couch. We didn't end up going out for it, having beers. We're watching the game. I, I don't, did I work that day? I can't remember. I, I'm sure I did. But you know, I, I was all, re- we were just all ready to go. We were all peaked up, ready, ready to, ready for this massive game between the Golden Eagles and the UConn Huskies. They had one and one during the year. And UConn owns New York. Marquette had just coming off this really tough game against St. John's, and then the Golden Eagles deliver, man, and they win that game. And they played such good basketball throughout that throughout the throughout the day, and did just enough to win that win that basketball game. And it was so fun to beat UConn in New York. And the chip on their shoulder, the fucking mentality. Like to me, that is my favorite win of the year, uh, by far. Uh, and again, like I said, one of the top like cap wins of, of all time, in my opinion, in terms of like how how long I've been a fan. I'm sure those who are like 1977 people are like, yeah, no, that's that's still that's still better. I wish I agree. Uh, I think just overall the Big East tournament win, uh, beating Xavier then in the final, um, and having haven't really no problem with Xavier. Uh, they took care of business. That thing really was a party Party from the start, owning New York uh, after all the demons. And Marquette had been so bad at Madison Square Garden. They'd only been to a semifinal, I think it was twice maybe, uh, before that or once. And then beating UConn, as we just talked about, and then handling their business against Xavier. It was too bad they couldn't beat Creighton to kind of really drive it home. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'd still take the win over Sean Miller and Xavier, one of the teams Marquette had lost to. And they were in full control that entire basketball game. And to get the double is hard to do. Uh, Big East regular season and Big East tournament and outright, you know, in terms of the Big East regular season. I mean, that that's just an incredible year for cat. And... Really, you could say it's probably it might be better even than the last time they had won the Big East title in 2020, 2013, because that was a share. But then again, that Big East conference might be better. I don't know. I'd have to have to really look hard. Also, all their best games the Creighton Road victory was incredible. Uh, beating Creighton on the road, uh, a very, very tough place to play. Creighton is not necessarily the best matchup for Marquette, and finding a way to win that one, the shock of smart emotion. Uh, pissing off all the Creighton fans in the stands. Uh, I think that's a real rivalry between these two teams. You know, obviously they link up on Saturday. It's the first time they've played since that game. Uh, it's, Kyle Brenner did not play at the five-star Forum last year. I think it's going to be an extremely intense game. Uh, Creighton also coming off a loss to Villanova. They do not want to go 0-2 to start the biggie East season. Uh, they've had a long time to sit with it. Um, and they didn't have that buffer game uh, that Marquette did. So we'll have to see. And then lastly, the Xavier tip-in. Uh doubt that, that was another one I was in person for. Uh, the tippin', that game was really a fun one. It was really back and forth between the two. And it, it just was last shot wins. And then the Omax tips it in for the win. And it just felt special, man. It felt like this was just a special year for Marquette. We're sitting by Xavier fans, Mach and I. And that was, yeah, that was a premier win uh, that definitely deserves a mention as well. The 2023 annals and also the Maui win against Kansas. I, I didn't include this year, but have to at least mention the Maui win in Kansas was, again, another special victory uh, for the Golden Eagles. In terms of worst games, uh, the Michigan State won, you know, you lose the tournament, but it was just, they just did not have it that day. And Michigan State, Izzo, you know, was able to outcoach Shock Smart, and Pat, the Marquette, did not have any answers. I don't know why I keep saying it back. Marquette did not have any answers in that in that basketball game, and they did not play well. Uh, really, I, I don't know if I would say from the get go, but only scored sixty points in that one. Mar, yeah, really, I guess from the get go. I mean, Marquette did come back to lead that game. You know, in the second half, I tried to block that game out of my memory. And Omax, you know, had 16 points in that one. And Cam Jones did did well. But Colic only had seven points. Was clearly bothered by that thumb injury. Had six turnovers in the game. Uh, and, yeah, Michigan State was able able to pull away, you know, in the, in the latter, latter part of that basketball game and win and advance to the Sweet 16 and play Kansas State And like we, we talked about. It was – a golden opportunity, you know, missed by the Golden Eagles, and it, it really felt like losing a Packer game when Marquette was ousted uh, from the tournament. And the other worst game that I would have, I have noted there was the what was it? I just had it. Sorry, was the St. John's game, <laughs> the Big East tournament one, game one. They won it overtime, but it was like it was just like okay, take care of business. St. John's probably gonna fire Mike Anderson. There's all these rumors and St. John's fall like hell and it was a dogfight till the end it was terrible officiating and Marquette won in overtime remember I was meeting with the agencies I'd like pause it like it was just it, that game was an absolute marathon uh, and Marquette survived and then they win the Big East tournament from there and you watch that team against St. John's they're like that team beat UConn the next day and you're like yeah it was night and day and they were clearly looking ahead and you know it happens and that that's the beauty of the conference tournament but yeah that game sucked. Uh, that was like pulling teeth. So yeah, that that's what I got there in terms of MVP. Uh Tyler Kolek for sure. Of course, man. You know, Mr. Fuckum himself. He was biggest player of the year. He was an all-American. He he just he continues to have a pretty solid la- last year here with the Golden Eagles. Uh, it's it was just an incredible year for Tyler Kolick. Uh, and he deserves a lot of kudos. Like, there I go again with Mr. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome for Kolick. And then Lvp, the selection committee. I I feel I still feel like Marquette got the hardest seventh seed. Like you look at Northwestern, Texas AM, Missouri. Like had Marquette played any of those teams, I think they win. And I I think they they're successful. Uh, but then they got Michigan State and sure Michigan State, not only did they get Michigan State, they got Michigan State, Columbus, Ohio. Like, how is that helpful? Um, so yeah, that was Marquette got fucked and that was unfortunate. And Michigan State was to advance, and then there you go. March is uh, the whole thing. You you know the deal. Uh, all right, that does it. We have made it through. That is it. Uh, I I'm not really going to talk too much about the Badgers. <laughs> Sorry. I, I I guess the only thing I would say about the Badgers in terms of worst games would probably be that that Washington, that Washington State game was bad. Um, the I don't the best Badger one was definitely the. What's the game? The game against the it's on tip to my tongue. Illinois, the comeback against Illinois, for sure, best win for the Badgers. No, no question about it. Um, in terms of best part of the season, I, I don't know what. What would you say? Maybe some of the transfer guys being dudes. Braylon Allen, you know, playing through injuries. Um, you know they making sure they stay bold eligible the nebraska win wasn't that pretty in the logs the large scheme of things iowa was certainly one of the worst moments of the year losing 15 to 6 in that one um man indiana loss was bad uh they fired their coach that one that a stain. losing to northwestern even though northwestern was a wagon at the end of the year but that was that was also equally bad yeah that stretch of stretch where they lost four of Four or five is, is pretty damning uh, for for Wisconsin, and uh, it's too bad they you know did not necessarily have the season that I think they hoped uh, in year one of Luke Fickle. But you know I, it, the parallels of him and Shock Smart are kind of similar, right? Where it's decent you know year one and then year two, maybe you take off like Rocketship. We'll have to see, uh, and and maybe you know the Badgers kind of reestablish their claim and. And kind of get back into the forefront of, you know, conversation here in Wisconsin sports. As I said, this has already been a long podcast. We're over an hour. Um, I will just say in terms of the Packers Vikings, I need the Packers to win. Jaron Hall quarterback. You lose fucking Jaron Hall. I don't know, man. Like, it's going to change a lot of New Year's plans for a lot of people. uh, If Jaron Hall beats us. Uh, and it just can't happen. And they have a lot of guys down. They're a very banged up team. It feels like sort of Minnesota is sort of ripe for an ass kicking from the Packers. So let's hope they actually take care of business. And then for Marquette Creighton, like I said, it's going to be a war, man. That uh, is going to be a great fucking game. I'm so excited to be there for it. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Trying to contain Kalbrenner is always a challenge. Uh, Marquette still has trouble rebounding Kalbrenner was decently effective in that last game i believe i can't really remember if we're being honest but that 73-71 game let's see here cal brenner yeah he had 12 points he didn't really do much rebounds wise he's just a big body he's just kind of like brooke lopez in a weird way where he just gets in the way on uh, nebhart not no longer there uh, Trey Alexander did not play well in that game. Kalmua also not there. Who did not play well in the game. Shireman killed Marquette in that basketball game. It was also a brutal refereeing crew. You had Jeff Anderson and John Gaffney, both of those, and wouldn't shock you that they were over 30 fouls in that game between the two teams. But, yeah, you're going to need another big Oso game. I think Oso getting Cal Brenner out, he had 18 in that basketball game, as well as as Kolek also had eight. That was a, just a big three game, right? Kolek Jones and Oso all had nearly 20 points. So let's hope for the same. David Joplin did not show up in that game. He only, he only played 12 minutes in that basketball game. So little revenge potentially for Jop as well. We'll have to see. That gym should be rocking. It's, a, it's gonna be a sellout, uh, you know, no real reason that you can't be turned up for it. So we'll see. Bucks have the Cavaliers. Um, that should be, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see if any of the Cavs play. You know, they've been sort of a wounded duck team here for the last basically week, and they did have a nice win against the Dallas Mavericks on the road on Wednesday night. And you know, we'll see see what version of the Cleveland Cavaliers we get for the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, that does it. Take care. Happy New Year to all of you. Really appreciate the support love you all uh, if you're brand new i still love you if you've been here since day one i love you too if you've been right in the middle i love you uh keep supporting keep spreading the good word talk to your friends about it uh we'll keep keep pushing on man and have a really safe new year you know don't drink and drive please uh, there's ubers there are taxis there are just staying at your buddy's couch if the ubers are too expensive a little pro tip uh you can catch a couple couple hours of nap like I've done that before where plug your phone in, take basically a two or three hour nap and then get the Uber home, okay? Uh, and just don't be a fucking hero. Uh, they're looking for you. Um, and yeah, there's no need for you to pick up a Dewey uh, to start your new year. So please stay safe out there. Uh, and if you're out at the bars, just keep your composure. It's a crazy night. It's amateur hour. If you need something to do, go see our guy Shea Ken at Sophie. Uh, he's there. Uh, so if you, you are a bar going folk, he's going to be there. Um, tell him I sent you and yeah, take care. Have a good one. We'll, uh, we'll see you in the new year to be very cliche. All right. Take care guys. Bye.